This week marks World Post Day, and 2023 marks the 50th anniversary of the Isle of Man Post Office. And to celebrate this occasion, I've joined forces with R. Judith Lay to take a look back at five decades of our local post service. To start things off, I had a lovely conversation with a number of people who have found themselves part of the history of the Isle of Man Post Office in a number of different ways. Former MHK Jeff Corkish, former General Manager of Isle of Man Stamps and Coins, Dot Tilbury, and from the breast cancer charities Isle of Man Breast Care and Breast Cancer Now Isle of Man, Angie Eyre and Sharon Madrill, who have their own special links and some first-class memories to share with us. Well, I was well from earliest times. I worked at the steam packet. We had a relationship with the post office, of course, shipping mail back and forwards. And indeed, that's how the steam packet started, the Royal Mail ships. Um, but uh, yes, and then when I became an MHK, I, I was very, very fortunate to be appointed chairman of the post office. And the post office was very much a part of the Isle of Man. So you knew a lot of the posties, the postmen. And I knew some of the staff that were working up in the post office as well. And uh, the board, we had a, a tremendous board. But what struck me most of all, I suppose, really, coming from the Steam Packet, which was a, a lovely, lovely company, the post office was more or less the same. You know, it's an old company, 50 years, of course, this year. And it was a family affair. You know, everybody knew each other. Everybody knew which, 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 what each other did. And uh, it was their company. There was a pride there. Uh, and they did their job, and uh, yeah, I, I I enjoyed my time there, being part of of a company which was very important to the Isle of Man, and I hope will continue to be so. Very much so. I mean, what what do you what do you reflect back on most when you think about the fact that it is fifty years old? I think there's a service more than anything, you know. Um, and I still look now at the post postman coming around; they'll still be running around in their short pants. <laughs> you know, because it was that. Not that that turned me on in any way, but it was. It was just that it was. It was fun to see them. There was that camaraderie which, which was there in the steam in the steam packet, but also, of course, in the post office, because everybody was 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 part of a joint company. They're and, a hard and proud of it. We're well. doing it. You know, it was it was an important part of. Still is an important part of the Isle of Man communications. Well, Angie, yeah, you would know about that pride uh, because Ian is, was a postie for how long? Uh, Forty years. Yeah. Yep. What's it like being married to a postie? Um, early mornings. So I was always, oh, I'm, we're early birds. We still wake up early. Um, husband Ian always left very early, half past five to get to work for six o'clock. And um, I can remember 35 years ago, my first son was um, expected. Uh, he was arriving when Ian was out on a shift when they used to do double deliveries. And they had to send uh, a van out to find him and bring him into the old nobles, Jane Crucall house, to um, make sure he was there for my delivery. And Aww. they handed the baby to him and said, well, what weight is this parcel? <laughs> oh, that's absolutely priceless. What lovely memories. That's so nice. And we, we've been chatting as well on One's Three this afternoon uh, with Dot Tilbury. And uh, Dot, you were the um, general manager for Isle of Man Stamps and Coins and were involved with some really impressive sets over the years of stamps and coins. And it's still quite a crucial part, isn't it, of what the post office does? It is indeed. And um, Maxine Cannon is keeping the... The, the the fires burning up there with the stamps and um, we had a wonderful time wonderful group of people What are some of your sort of favourite memories from your time working there? Well I 
came to the post office in 1975 and I'd just come back from London and I'd been working in Harrods toy department for Christmas. So then when I came home, um, I applied to the Isle of Man post office um, for a job for Christmas and um, I got a job in the Philatelic Bureau and I didn't really like it at first because you were sitting at a desk and I'd been used to walking around a big department store and everything. And um, But then about four weeks later, I hadn't been there very long and Sam Thomas, who was the then general manager, called me in and he was from Yorkshire and he said, have you got passport, love? And I said, no, I've never been abroad. And all the kids these days, you know, they go to... Spain for a day trip and um, I said but I can get one he said right answer he said I'd like you to go on an exhibition to America for three weeks and I thought I'd died and gone to heaven I'd never been abroad I was oh, going to get a passport experience. yeah it was fabulous yeah we went to New York for a week and uh, we were in the Americana Hotel but you were promoting stamps I we were it. selling stamps yes yeah. and that's where we went, then went over to Los Angeles and we went to a place called Anaheim and we sold, we opened accounts and everything because we were pretty new. It was only sort of three years old. That's where Dexter Holland from the... The Offspring. The Offspring? Came over to the Isle of Man and he saved Isle of Man stamps and it, he, he opened his account when I was at the exhibition in 1976 in Anaheim. But also you were very much involved in another band's stamp collection, which was the Bee Gees. That must have been an incredible experience. Fabulous, fabulous. They were such fabulous boys. And me and Janet Bridge went to New York um, to launch the stamps and we had to go to the Bee Gees Hotel. And they all came in this room and they were just fabulous boys. Lovely, lovely boys. And before they came in, all the all the police came in to check that there was no bombs and things in the thing. And Bernie Quayle had... Um, he wanted a film off them because, of course, Bernie was instrumental in getting the old uh, song going. So I uh, interviewed the Bee Gees and then brought the film back, and it was fantastic. That night, me and Janet Bridge went to um, the Michigan Theatre to see the opening night of Saturday Night Fever. What an experience. We thought we'd died and gone to heaven. We couldn't believe it. We were pinching ourselves. I took a picture of Janet Bridge's feet on the red carpet because nobody would believe us that we'd been there. And <laughs> John Travolta was there, Livy Newton. You, you know, so the, the Isle of Man Post Office basically sent you all over the world? All over the world. It was the best job ever. The other good thing about the post office were we were very social. So we used to sort of go in the parish war, go in the TT relay. Um, there were football matches, all sorts of things always going on. And uh, the staff used to, we used to have um, staff nights out at Christmas and there was always a cabaret and everybody joined in and we used to have loads and loads of fun. And as Jeff said, there was a real, um, you know, close-knit community within within the whole um, business and, and it was encouraged, and especially when Stuart Slack was involved because Stuart was the, you know, if he could dress up as a fairy and cycle along the promenade, being the general manager, then he would, and it was always good fun. Oh, like-minded people there. But don't, you were there from the very early days, weren't you? So you must have seen some big changes in your time. I 
went to the post office in 1975 and uh, I left in 2013. Um, the biggest change, of course, was computers, the dreaded computer, and I still haven't got the hang of them. But, um, you know, uh, when we started, it was all... Um, we, we each had a thousand customers. There was about forty people working there. We all had a, a, a file with a thousand customers, and we had to do it all manually, work it all out. Then we used to have to pack all the orders going all around the world, and um, you know it was an amazing sight to see. And it was started off in 1973, and Stuart Slack was sort of the general manager of the Philatelic then, and. Um, like Sharon was there and myself and a whole host of, you know, and we're still friends today. We sort of socialise. Such was the bond that we had with each other. Oh, that's, I like that bond. Nice little reference there. And uh, Sharon Madrill, just let us know, what was your involvement with the post office? Well, I started in 1974 and um, in the Philatelic Bureau, which is where I met Dot the following year. And I can remember... We used to have part of the main counter, which, of course, is Regent Street, or 1886 as it is now. Mm -hmm. And the end counter used to be the philatelic counter. And on issue day, we'd be down there and they would open the doors. Do you remember, Doc? They'd open those big front doors and the queue would be from the door right out to the prom and along the promenade to get new issues. It was just incredible then. So when you think of it now, and obviously obviously times have changed enormously, not just computers, but obviously the, you know, delivery is very different now. People don't really write letters so much. I mean, what, what do you think about it now, thinking of the changes? Well, I just think it's a shame because I moved from that side to... I moved to Ramsey in 1992 to be the manager at Ramsey Post Office. And I can remember, even up until I retired in 2014, sacks and sacks of Christmas cards and... All sorts of mail. But now, I mean, I've been left since 2014, but I bet there's nowhere near, nowhere near. And But having a counter as well, you are the hub of the community, aren't you, really? Yeah. it's not just about post, really, is it? Well, no, because we used to have um, the same people standing outside from about 20 to 9 on a Friday for the pension. Rain, hail or snow, the same ones there. And if somebody was missing, or if one of the girls on the counter realised that Mrs So-and-so hadn't been in, you know, I've known some of the girls go to the house and find out if they were OK. You know, it was a real community in the post office. And I think that is missing now, sadly. Yeah, but it still does have a place. And uh, I think we should all celebrate this this week, World Post Day, and also the 50 years of uh, Iron Man Post. Should we all send a letter to someone? Yes. yes. Let's do it. Let's all make a pact. We're all going to send a letter to someone this week. Yes. Handwritten. Yeah. All right. And yes. Okay, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to chase you up on this and make sure you've done it. Okay. In my case would be a begging letter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never changed, Jeff. Hello, Christy, and welcome to the archive room. I've got some great stories for you from a time when delivering the mail was an absolute priority, no matter how difficult the conditions, and when, in the words of Norman Barron, We were really more than postmen. When 14-year-old Alwyn Collister was about to leave school, he really hadn't given any thought to a career. He was more interested in going on a school holiday to Liverpool. But when an unexpected caller came to his house, everything was set to change. I was of age to leave school at the end of March. 
I was uh, all set up to go to Liverpool on a holiday with the school. And I was really looking forward to it. Till this day, this knock on the door came. I went to the door and there's a gentleman standing there. Is your mother in? I said, yes, my mother's in. Came and he sat down. He said, I'm looking for a telegram boy to start work in the post office as soon as possible. And he says, I know that your son is of age in three weeks' time. Is he interested? And I was flabbergasted. I just yeah. didn't know what to say. My mother didn't know what to say either. The first thing I said was, well, I'm going on holiday. And I'm going on holiday in a <laughs> fortnight's time. Yeah. So, of course, I never went back to school. No. Came back from my holiday and started in the post. I was as a telegram boy. Uh, in those days, there was a lot of telegrams because people didn't have telephones. No. And they relied on telegrams. Yeah. And uh, I started in the post office 9 a.m. I distinctly remember it. We had two shifts. Nine o'clock till two ten, and you had to come back at four forty-five yeah. till seven thirty at night. That's right. the service mm. we gave for mm. telegrams. So you'd have some days where you wouldn't, wouldn't have a telegram at all, or would oh, you? No, mm. never have a day without a telegram. Really? And yeah. Sometimes a lot. And you'd have a bike, would you? Oh, bike! I'm saddle sore. I'm still stiff with <laughs> saddle sore. Mm, you'd get to know all the streets pretty well, and oh yeah, well I knew the even streets. the people you'd get. To I know. knew everybody then. Yeah, you know, of course. The advantage of me being in joining the post office was that half the town I knew yes. before, so I, I didn't need to be told uh, people that lived in the houses. Yeah, what would you get paid as a as a telegram boy then? Less than a pound a week, I think. Yeah. When I got married, I only got three pound a week. So pay was low in the oh, post yeah. office in those days. Yes. The the older gentlemen in the post office had to rely on the overtime to make up their money. How many staff would there be in Castletown? There was about seven of us there then. Yes. But a telegram could come through any time then. Any time, up till seven thirty. Mm. And uh, after that, if it was something urgent, it went to the police station. Oh yeah. And the police would have to go and tell somebody if it was a death yeah. or something yeah. like that. How much traffic would be on the roads in those days then? Not a great deal. Mm. No, not a great deal and. I, I got fed up with fixing and punctures, I know that much. <laughs> yeah. There's no gears on any post office bike. No. No, there is now. Yeah. modern post office bike has gears and, and cable brakes and mm. uh, uh, disc brakes. So yeah. they're really modern yes. because in a wet day, you didn't have brakes on a on post office bike. You just got your foot down and tried to stop. Is that so? Yes, yeah, because the brakes... They just weren't... The wheel got them. wet and that yeah. was it. Right. Mm. And, and, and then and the policemen were were more particular in those days. If you went over a halt sign, you got shouted at. Yeah. We had a leather pouch with a with the with the telegrams in, mm. and you had to show your pouch when you went off duty to make sure you'd not forgotten any. Did people have to sign for telegrams? No. No. No, I can't remember them signing now. You didn't have to wait for replies. You did. You did. Yeah, we had oh. to carry a form with us. Did you? And work out how much it would be right. to send a reply. All oh, right. And yeah. take the money. And take the money. Yes. Yes. And bring it back. You had a responsible job all of yes. a sudden. Then, Sometimes you? you would have a, a reply paid envelope. Yeah. So that the person that sent the telegram had paid for a reply to go back. Right. And the form would be given to you. Yeah. And then that would be so many words, 12 words they'd be allowed. And if they put over that, you'd have to ask them for the extra yes. money. I had to be a certain age to drive a post office van. Mm. I was driving lorries. I was driving taxis. And, of course, I was riding my bike. Yes. But I couldn't take a post office van out of the garage. And sometimes there'd be a post office van in there, and they would make me do the round on a bike. Well, the because was I wasn't there, 21. Yeah. All right. Well, you had to be 21. Well, I think yeah. it's either 18 or 20. I yeah. can't just remember. I know there was a period of time, of, of a, quite a long time, it seemed to me a long yeah. time, 
that I couldn't take a van. The out. post office always had its own rules regarding this. I had to take a post office test. Yeah. Although I'd been driving for, th- for two or three years, yes. they made me take a post office test to drive a post office van. Eventually you did get a van, but pres- presumably you were still biking around as well. Oh, biking everywhere. <laughs> we used to hate Thursday afternoons. Why? Well, Thursday afternoons, Balasala sub-office was closed. And there was a place called the Aragon Hotel at Santon, well known for weddings. Mm. Jeff Duke had it at one time, yeah. as you know. yeah. And it was a long cycle ride from Castledown to the Aragon Hotel. I've done it that many times, I hate to think about it. And you think the postman used to cycle up Bollamorda Street to Solomon's Corner and down. Yeah. That used to be up the bike duty. Yeah. But we used to go to the Aragon Hotel on a Thursday. Now, we had one P&TO, as we postal and telegraph officer, who was on the counter and he mm-hmm. would take telegrams. Mm-hmm. They'd sit in a little cubby hole in Castledown and take these telegrams, and sometimes the people would be queuing at the counter waiting for him to come off the phone and have two or three telegrams okay. for a wedding. Yeah. And you'd set off to the Aragon Hotel, and you think, now, what time is the wedding? Is it 2 o'clock or is it 5 o'clock tonight? And when you get to the Aragon Hotel, I used to always ask, what time is this wedding? And they say, oh, it's not till 6 o'clock. You needn't have come till later. <laughs> and you get back to Castletown office, and there'd be another there. Another one. And you'd have to go again. again. It wasn't you're laughing, it was no joke. I bet it wasn't no, a joke. It was no joke. Mm. What about this uh, postman's problem of dog bites? Oh, then? dog bites. Oh, I've had some bad ones. Have you? Oh, I, yes. I had a, a Rottweiler got me once in Colby Glen Road and yeah. took a right chunk out of my leg and my thigh. And Did you have to have, have hospital treatment? I did, yes. Yeah. I've had tetanus a few times. That and letterboxes. Oh, blimey. What, what about letterboxes? Oh, letterboxes are a big pain in the neck, some of them. People don't think... Where you get your hands trapped, you Yes. Think. The vertical letterboxes that lift with a hinge at the top. Yeah. The world's worst. <laughs> yes. They won't... You, the letters get bent. You can't get your fingers out. <laughs> right? And the next thing is that the letterboxes with these uh, draft excluders behind. Stop you putting oh, things... Yes. They put them so close together, you can't get the mail through. Mm. I'm at Craig Nish permanently, so at least I know everybody individually and they know me. Yeah. And there's, it's it's good for some things that you know if somebody's away and, and that's not right, something's wrong there, mm-hmm. yeah. or somebody might be ill, or, you know, it's it's a good idea to have somebody that, that knows you well. Norman Barron was born in Kirkmichael in 1909 and after leaving school at the age of 14 had a variety of different jobs and whilst it was clear that he was never going to be out of work it was, in his own words, all a bit haphazard. So when he saw an advertisement for an auxiliary postman he applied and got the position and began his new job in his native Kirkmichael in the summer of 1938. But no sooner had his probationary period ended and his job confirmed than the Second World War broke out. And in 1940, Norman joined the Royal Artillery. At the end of the war, Norman returned to the post office, but not to Kirkmichael. Instead, he had to travel to Douglas every day. After a couple of years, he was offered a transfer to Ramsey and after a further two years, got the chance to move back home to Kirkmichael and that was where he stayed 
for over 30 years. There was a full-time postman, uh, an established postman, yeah. uh, named Jerry Kelly. He got a motor van at that time, and he was doing the top end of the village and up round Peel Road, Cronkabody, yeah. Bagarwal, up round there, even yeah. going out to Druidale. Mm. I was doing the lower part of the village on a push bike, going up to all the farms off the road. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and, and that, and I started at 10 o'clock in the morning. We got our mail about quarter past as a rule, air mail. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, I had to be back before one o'clock to get the mail dispatched on the 12 minutes past one train to Douglas. Yes. And I had to be back by that time and do all the mail ready for, you know, and the yeah. postmaster was there, of course. And there was a mail dispatch from Douglas on the train. The other postman would meet it with the van. Before we had the van, they had to wheel it on a truck from yeah. the station. Uh, but that was parcel mail as well as yeah. letter mail, you yeah. see, the evening. The evening the after day's boat mail would be arriving then, yeah. you see. Yeah. And sometimes it about half past eight, nine o'clock when I may be finishing at night. Yeah. Yes. So that'd be bad in the winter, wouldn't well, it? Well, it was tough going sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But one good thing, the farmers was always good. They would say, don't come up if there's only a bill. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. They'd wait. Not in any hurry for bills. <laughs> but in those days... Letter was the main means of yeah. communication. So you've seen a few uh, rough days there, rough, especially rough. in snow, haven't you? Well, we've had our problems with snow. When I was in Ramsey, the, the plane couldn't land at uh, Ronald's Way, mm. and they, they landed at Close Lake. Oh, yeah. So the postmaster said to me, hey, you go get the van and go out to Close, Close Lake and pick the mail up. So I had to go out there then. Yeah. That's what happens, you see, yes. now and again you get these things. Yes. There was another one from Michael while I was in Ramsey. The snow, snow it was, yes, had stopped the snow with the van from getting out to Druidale. So he says to me one day, he says, you get the motorbike, they had a motorbike for telegrams and things. And go out to Sulby and go up. I had to go up to Corridy and Sulby there, yeah. and walk up over the hills to yeah. Druidale to deliver some mail. In those days, it was imperative mail was delivered, and they would. <laughs> it had to go. That's it. Yeah, it's got to get through. And another time, something happened out at Jerby there that the postman they couldn't do it, and they said, "You get out to." Solby and, and uh, they'll sort your mail out and you can go on down and deliver it on a motorbike. Yeah. So, I mean, you never knew what you were going to do yeah. next. But even in, in, a, in bad snow, you had to get out with it. Yes. On occasion, when we were 11 days cut yeah. off, yeah. Michael was, and yeah. that was, was at 65. And, and what happened and then to that, your work? Well, <laughs> it was Christmas Day deliveries in those days. Mm. But I went out with the van on Christmas Day. In the meantime, of course, we were t we had two well two vans and Michael eventually because we took over Balaf uh. eventually. So we had two vans and and one of us uh, went. I took off with the van before well, by the time you had sorted your mail out, it must have been eleven o'clock or so. You see, and and I went out with the van to deliver it. And by the time I got to Bagaro, the snow had come on. 
And it was such a lovely morning that morning. Yeah. The snow came, and it came down so thick I couldn't see my hand in front of me hardly. So I, I tried to battle on a bit, uh, but uh, it was impossible. So I had to turn back, and I made my way going mighty well down as far as Cronkirla there. When I was going down the dip into Cronkirla, and I ran into a snowdrift, which you couldn't see because the snow was driving yeah. that thick across. I went down to a house to get a spade from the lady, but it was useless. <laughs> Trying to dig out, but it was filling in as fast as I could dig it. <laughs> uh. So eventually locked the van up and took the, all the letters that were left in my bag, threw it on my back and walked back to back. the post office. Yes. And it was a week before that van was brought back to Michael, yes. Uh, it was all right, it was fine. The mechanics were down, got it going again. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there has been other instances. People got a bit impatient one time, I think. I forget when it was now. Was it the same time or not? People got impatient. We're getting no letters in, nothing, you know, mm. any, no communication through at all. So Jerry and I, the other postman, we said, oh, well, let us walk to Peel and see if we can pick up some mail. And that's what we did. Yeah. And we had to walk because yeah. the roads, you couldn't travel on them, you no, see. No, So on on our way, of course, we would part, partly on the railway line and partly on the main roads, whichever was clear. <laughs> so uh. we got to Peel and they sent word into Douglas so Douglas dispatched letter mail. We couldn't mm. carry anything else. Mm. And appeal, and we waited there till it got came back. And then we threw it on our back and walked, marked, walked all the way back to yeah. Michael with it. Uh, wet weather was problems sometimes. Did you, get, you keep keeping, keeping the mail dry as well? Uh, keeping, trying to keep it dry. Uh. And um, we, ca- we had leggings supplied, a cape. Mm. and cap for your hat yeah. <laughs> and all one um, of the enemies of the postman used to be the the dog didn't he well, get any trouble with dogs I, I was in my whole life I've only had two I had one dog which ripped the whole back of my pants right down <laughs> it was <laughs> hanging down <laughs> yeah oh dear but that was the only one that ever ripped or done any the postman must have carried the local news around the village, did he? Around the village, not only the news. <laughs> <laughs> the gossip, then. <laughs> well, gossip and groceries. Oh, and groceries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, yes. Well, of course, people would ring up, maybe Crocobody or somewhere, you see, uh. and they'd ring up the quail, the grocer next door, you see. Well, you give the postman a pound of bacon, <laughs> we're on about a bacon, or a loaf or something like that, yeah. or some cheeses. <laughs> well, they were very good, really, people. Uh, yes. There's always certain houses you got to when you got very thirsty when you got there. <laughs> and you always got a drink, A cup of tea was going. The tea was going. Your tea, a cup of tea was going. Yeah. And some people, they were... They wanted you to come in, yeah. you see, and, and they'd be wanting all the news. They were all, uh, <laughs> all the skeet. The skeet, yeah. And this happened to go out to Bride and these places too. There were certain old ladies, you know, and by gum, if you didn't call, they'd want to know next day, why why didn't you call yesterday? <laughs> we were waiting here for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, well, yes. I suppose a lot of people living on their own wouldn't see many people in a day, would they? Not really. Not no. in those days. No. no, no, that's true. I mean, they wouldn't know what was going on hardly in those days. No. <laughs> so we were really more than postmen. <laughs> uh, but we, I mean, yeah, they didn't mind. Nobody minded you doing that, doing mm. a good turn for people. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> And then when did you retire from the Postal Service then? Uh, 74. Yeah. How had it changed? I mean, it must have changed quite a bit since you started. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's different altogether. I mean, it's all practically all motorised when I, I retired. It yeah. was all getting motorised. Mm. And we, were, we had Blaff taken in, and there was lots of places. Well, I think the South had taken the whole South into there, yeah. and it was... They were then contemplating us taking going into Ramsey, you see, and oh, that's yeah. what has eventually happened, yeah. you see. Norman Barron was 91 when that conversation was recorded and died at the age of 102. Mrs Irene Curphy, who was known affectionately as Auntie Rini by so many people, was born in 1913 and was 90 years old when David Collister asked her to share her memories of life in the tiny post office in Ballabeg that was run by her husband, Jack. Not in a separate building, but inside their own house, the house that Auntie Rini was still living in when this conversation was recorded. And Jack Curphy was your husband in this very house now, which was the post office at the time. Tell me about that. What do you remember of that? Well, I knew everybody, because you you knew everybody in the village then. And then with being in the post office, people coming in for pensions and, and children's allowances, of course, they came on. You knew everybody. It was only small, but... That was the division there, you see. So that's like one small room, really, isn't it? Yes, the small room with with that, you see. Mm. And then Jack um, um, divided it up to make it a bit small and make this room bigger, you see. That's what it was. Yes. Yeah. But, um, oh, but I can remember at at Christmas, I'd been on this floor on my knees sorting letters. Yeah. To divide English and Manx letters and these are the ones cards. that were being p- going outwards, were going they? Going outwards, yeah. yes. It was when we used to have to put the mail on the bus. Oh right. And you had to put stand out here to stop the bus to put the mail on. Oh you yeah, see. yeah. Well, I, I once or twice he has missed the bus and he's had to cycle into Balasala to catch the bus going round. <laughs> right. He's done that. <laughs> he'd tell me off of his. Uh, yeah. But t- talking about Christmas, I mean, all that, would there be parcels as well at Christmas? Oh, there was an awful lot of parcels then. Yeah. Uh, well, they used to send geese away and turkeys and big big cakes and things like that that uh. you wouldn't, well, you wouldn't, it'd be terrible, the weight of them now. You see, the weight has gotten so expensive now in parcels. Yeah. And um, no, it was a very busy time at Christmas. And then he used to do the the so the mail as well. He used to go out with the with the mail mm. up to um, Ronick and all oh. around on his bike. Did he? What yes. to deliver it? Delivering. 
Yes, he used to do that. Yeah. And uh, before him, it was Uncle Dick, of course, his uncle mm. that had the post office then, and he uh, he used to cycle uh. up and round, yes. Did you deal with um, telegrams in those days here? Yes, he he would be not when I, I don't think he what it was when I was here. No, it ha, it had um, stopped then. Yeah, but uh, he they used to do it before. Yeah, yes, but Uncle Dick and Jack, they they were very um, keen as, as as regards everything had to be done correctly, mm. and if uh, even a magazine had to be delivered to a farm that was way off the road. It would be delivered, no matter what the weather was. Yeah. If it was only a magazine, really? it had to be delivered that that particular day. And never kept, no. you know, for another day. Mm. No, no. And, and it's a bit widespread. I mean, the farms oh, all around yes, here. Yes, yes. It was all around, around. Um, it was up Ronig, Grenoble, yeah. and all around there. He used to go. Yeah. So they'd be coming down from Ronig and various places to draw pensions or. Uh, uh, yes, send yes, a parcel yes. or a letter down to him. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Was there also a post office in Colby as well? Yes, Miss uh, Clegg. I remember was the first one I remember over there because I lived in Colby then. Mm. She it was only her that had a telephone, I think, in the village then, and she'd answer the phone. I can always remember her answering the phone, and she'd say, "Colby." She put the tone on a little oh, bit oh, with yes. that. Colby, C for Charlie, O for Oswald, L for Leslie, B for Boy, and Y for Yes. I can always remember <laughs> doing that. Oh, she'd go real, you know, like. Mm. No, that was Bella Clegg, and then she'd shop, you see. Yeah. We did, We never had a shop. Just the, here, post, just the post office. It was though. just the post office. So that was why I um, kept on with my job, you see. Yeah, because I there wouldn't be a big there. living made with no, just a post No, no, it wasn't. No. It's not, it wasn't a highly paid job, really. And then when Jack wasn't so well, I used to, used to tell me what to do. Yeah. And not to talk too much. Did you hear did, me in there. Did you take any notes of that? <laughs> no. <laughs> People who come in here would be a social gathering, really, would it? Yes, well, especially when he was here, because he could do as much talking as me, <laughs> and there'd be different ones coming in, and they'd be putting the world to rights, you know. Yes, of course. <gasps> Remember Mr Oates that used to live up at the corner here, Frank Oates, and he was great for this pipe. Uh. And he'd be sitting at the window there at a, a table, and... Uh, Smoke would be going up in a wreath of smoke. Oh, I can always remember that. And Jack, and they'd be having a real good yarn over something, and yeah. Frank would be telling them his views, you know. TV. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Many thanks to Judith Lay for opening the archive room, especially for us this evening. She'll be back with you on Thursday with the latest episode in her current series all of which comes from audio sourced and digitised by the brilliant Tim Price. And thank you to Jeff Corkish, Dot Tilbury, Angier and Sharon Madrill for their own special memories, all of which have helped us to commemorate 50 years of the Isle of Man post office. I'm Christy Dehaven. Thanks for listening. I'm off to write my letter now. Mm-hmm.